0: Hello, everybody, and welcome in to episode three of the Fantasy Scouts podcast here on February 24th, 2021. I am your host, Chad Workman, joined by Matt Nine, Sam Ehrman, and Andrew Woodruff. I don't know if you guys heard, but there was a pretty big trade in the NFL this past week. Carson Wentz headed to Indianapolis. We're going to first jump in and talk about Jalen Hurts and the Eagles offense because we know there are some guys itching uh, to talk about Hertz on this podcast so we're going to run through Hertz and the eagles offense then we are going to travel to indy and take you through carson wentz's outlook and the colts uh, skill position players and then lastly we're going to wrap up the show with a little tight end talk who do we have at the top of our tight end board let's get into it
1: this is the jalen
0: hurts show This is the Jalen Hurts show. Uh, boom, that's it. No, I'm
2: boom, boom. That no, all right.
0: If you have been sleeping under a rock, or you have just not been following the NFL transaction wire, you missed out on Carson Wentz getting dealt to the Indianapolis Colts, where he will reunite with Frank Reich. Um, obviously. Matt and, and others in this group have been big Jalen hurts supporters. So this really kind of opens the door for him to take over the QB one job. Not that he didn't already, but it really clears the way for him to take over the QB one spot in Philly. Um, You know, there's, there's been whispers that they may draft a quarterback, but personally, I don't see it. I don't think they're going to get one of the top guys at six and they have too many holes to move up. And look, we all like hurts here. So, uh, I guess with that Matt I know uh, you're always itching to, to talk about Hertz whenever you can so the floor is yours my friend. All right let's do this I have I have a lot to say
1: because I, I feel like there's a lot of people out there that, that don't understand who he is where he comes from and his journey as a whole. Um, over the past few weeks especially uh, since this news broke I have I've actually really begin to understand how people view him and everybody seems to be so locked in on his first two years at Alabama. They forget his junior year where he didn't actually play that much, which is honestly a blessing in disguise and absolutely vital to his development. And then uh, his senior year when he went to Oklahoma and absolutely balled out and finished second in the Heisman running. Uh, people are also attached to his 52% completion rate. And that's, that is the only argument that you can possibly have against him. I, I don't understand what other argument is that it, there is to have. So, so let's just run through him and what he did in three and a half games. Cause since he got pulled in week 17, halfway through a uh, minimum 185 dropbacks, he was first in average depth of target. And he was first in average time to throw. Uh, Jalen Hurts was the first player in NFL history with 500 pass yards and 150 rush yards and two career starts. Jalen Hurts became the fifth NFL quarterback and first rookie ever to record 330 passing yards, three or more TDs, and no interceptions in either of his first or second career start. Hurts became the first quarterback in NFL history to run for 100 yards and throw a touchdown pass in his first NFL start. Hertz also became the second quarterback to win his first start when facing a team that had won at least nine games in a row. So people out here are shitting on Hertz because he has a 52% completion rate through three and a half games. Yet this guy set, I'm counting here, six NFL records in three and a half games. Six in three and a half games. That is ridiculous. That is not a fluke. This is just the beginning of something special. So let me take it back to his freshman year at Alabama real quick. He was recruited as an athlete. He was a quarterback, he was a dual threat quarterback, but he was essentially an athlete that could throw. He wasn't it wasn't by any means a per- perfectionist passing or anything like that. So he gets to Alabama, and during that time, this is when Nick Saban was still We're going to have the elite defense in the country. We're going to run the football down your throat. We're going to throw as little as possible. When we do throw, it's the first read. If it's not there, tuck it and run. And that's what Jalen did the first two years. But then the defenses and the offenses started to catch up. It started going up-tempo. And then Alabama had to transition. So Jalen Hurts, as we all know, at the end of his sophomore year, he was pulled in the national championship game because he couldn't get anything going versus Georgia. Georgia had an elite defense. And Jalen was not a perfect passer at that point in time. Tua, the true freshman, I believe at that time, was the better passer. And he was the better passer the day he stepped on campus. So Jalen gets pulled, Tua comes in, you know, does the game-winning touchdown pass to Devontae, uh, you know, two quarters later, that's, that's the end of that. And then everybody's like, oh, Jalen got benched. That's, that's the end, he sucks, blah, 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 blah. They don't understand why. So moving into his junior year, Alabama has to transition their offense. They can no longer run the ball and keep up with these high up-tempo offenses that the other teams across the SEC are starting to run. So they have to transition. At that point in time, Tua is the better passer between the two. Okay, So Jalen essentially starts to develop as a pocket passer his junior year in college. Most guys, when they come in out of high school, are already relatively polished They've already been working on that. Jalen was not asked to do that his first two years, so he started late. So when we fast forward to today, he's going into his fourth offseason now of developing as a legitimate pocket passer, while guys like Tua, Justin Herbert, Joe Burrow, and stuff like that, they were at this point their senior year in college. So yes, he is behind, but that doesn't mean he can't get there. Okay, So Jalen gets drafted in the second round. Pick 53, and uh, Jax Falcone has a fantastic piece on uh, what, what it takes to be an elite fantasy quarterback, okay? I'm going I'm to read that list for you. This is the anatomy of a top-tier fantasy QB. First-round draft capital, 6'2", two and 220 pounds. Yards per attempt is 8.0 or 8.5 or better. Completion percentage is 63 to 65 or better. 750-plus career attempts. 3500 plus passing yards and 35 total TD 400 plus rushing yard season college interception rate below 2.75 percent college QBR over 75 over 75 to 80 okay Jalen hits eight out of nine of these the only one he's missing is the draft capital which is 21 slots out of pick 32 that is the dumbest argument to pose against him of him not having the potential to be an elite pocket passer. Okay, now with that being said, his senior year at Oklahoma, he was sixth in the nation in adjusted completion percentage, and he was second in efficiency rating. He had a better completion percentage than Tua, Herbert, Lawrence, and Fields. Then he was drafted to Philadelphia, as I said before, 53 overall, and he had no offseason, as we know, as as a lot of the rookies didn't have. But again, keep in mind the context this guy going into Philadelphia last year his third offseason that he really didn't get with an NFL coaching staff developing as a, as a pocket passer and he didn't get the practice okay so we fast forward to week 14 this guy's thrown into the fire no offseason as I said at no point really during the season itself did he get to throw to the first team guys like Rager and stuff like that he did a lot in training camp but not so much during the season so now he has no repertoire, no timing. Uh, he's not on the same page with his receivers and he throws 52% uh, adjusted completion percentage over his three and a half games. Yes. On the surface, that's bad. Okay. But he threw a 72% completion percentage versus zone and his, and a 53% completion percentage versus man. The 72% versus zone does indicate that he can read defenses Uh, which is another argument that I see that people have against him, okay? And then, man, we can attest to no offseason, lack of timing between quarterback and wide receivers, which is extremely crucial, and uh, the lack of weapons. I mean, it was Jalen Rager, it was Dallas Goddard, Quez Watkins, John Hightower, who played cornerback a little bit in week 17. Uh, You got Miles Sanders, who's rotating with Boston Scott, which um, Sam's going to point out, you know address that at some point that's just stupid I'm not sure why that's happening at all and and that's about it and then Zach Ertz who you know couldn't couldn't separate himself from a wet sheet of paper so he just had no no one to throw to and he yet he still set all of these records with nothing around so he was able to do more uh with the same than what Wentz did which I think is important because Jalen shows that he can get the job done and he doesn't need a lot. He just showed that the Eagles need more, but not much more, in my opinion. In weeks 14 through 16, he was the QB three overall. In weeks 14 through 17, he was the QB four overall. In week 15, he was the QB one overall. And these are not fluky numbers because he almost, he threw for almost a thousand yards in three and a half games. He had better stats through his first four career starts than Russell Wilson and Lamar Jackson. Now I have a lot of people reached out to me and say, oh, you can't compare him to a future Hall of Famer and and the you know uh, MVP from two years ago in Lamar Jackson. And I'm not. I don't know if Jalen's ever gonna get there, but this one, it shows his ceiling. And two, if we had looked at Russell's stats after four game after four games, and Lamar stats after four games, we would have been saying the same thing. Oh, these dudes are bust. These guys aren't any good. I can't believe Pete Carroll's you know, starting a rookie over you know, the $40 million man, Matt Flynn, that they just signed this offseason. Lamar Jackson can't throw, yada, 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 so on and so forth. So it's to show that he can potentially get better. He can reach those heights. And now the Eagles are building around him. They're all in. This staff was built for him that QB coach Brian Johnson uh, has known him since he was four. I'm sure you guys have seen that floating around on Twitter, which you don't bring in the guy who's basically known you since you came out of the womb to then go draft a quarterback at six and coach him up. That doesn't make sense. Brian Johnson recruited him out of high school into college and he didn't get him. Jalen signed him with Alabama. Then when Jalen was going to transfer, Brian Johnson came to him again and said, transfer to my school. And he, and Jalen didn't go again. So that's a testament to how badly Brian Johnson has wanted Jalen, how bad he wants to work with him, and now he gets that opportunity in Philadelphia. Sirianni, master from what we've seen thus far, at designing an offense around a single player uh, in order to get the best and the most out of him. Now, the Eagles' job at this point in time is one, to shore up that O line. It's rather old. Uh, I'm not entirely sure if Jason Kelsey's going to retire or not this year but the Eagles off- offensive line could actually be really good next year. Uh, they could take pits or chase at six, or they could trade back. In my opinion, I think taking offensive line at six. And if your number one offensive lineman is not there, I would move back into the 10 to 15 ish range, collect another second, uh, maybe a third or fourth or something in 2022.
3: Okay. Again, Matt, I'm disappointed in you. I thought you were a jailing guy, man, all the way. I've learned tonight. You're not. You over here counting week 17, dude's not even playing with two of his best players, Dallas Goddard. Miles Sanders is out. Their best defensive player by far. The whole far. team was out. Yeah, exactly. Their best player defensively was out, Fletcher Cox. So, I mean, the defense couldn't stop a junior varsity team from driving down the field. And it he didn't have his best weapons. Game. Against arguably the best front seven in the league. Right, right, yeah. So, I mean, people who are sitting there downing on his completion percentage, they're adding that in because if you take that game out realizing this dude is playing with backups versus starters, sometimes third-string guys, if you look at the situation, if you take that game and you understand, okay, I probably shouldn't judge that in the sample, his completion percentage is above 55, which immediately – Knocks him out of all of those talks about people. Oh, man, his completion percentage is too low. 55 isn't super far off from some of the other guys we've been seeing out there. So I'm not too worried about him. The dude's great. He's going to be getting better. I know the team's committed to him. People who are sitting there want to put quarterback at six to the Eagles. They're in a pipe dream because it's pretty much Hurts versus QB4, and there's no way the team's going to move on to a new rookie QB instead of taking on Uh, Hurts and go ahead and see what he can do. Now, I know they could potentially go defense. You've got Parsons, you got Sertain, you got a couple other good defensive players, but I'm kind of like you. I agree. I think they need to move back a few spots, take the best offensive player available that can help set that offense up and then keep going from there, build around the team.
1: Yeah. And one more thing that I want to bring in about the staff that they brought in for him. So, I heard from a, a few different people, and apparently there's an article out there somewhere that Howie Roseman and Lincoln Riley are very buddy, buddy. They have a very close relationship and Lincoln Riley was a large part in the reason for the Eagles drafting Jalen where they did. Um, that also brings me back to the staff that they've assembled. So I did, I did a little research and the staff that's been assembled for Jalen and Philly versus the staff, Staff that Jalen had in Oklahoma are almost carbon copies. Jalen feasted off RPOs, the deep and the deep shot, and quick screens in Oklahoma, and that is that is Sirianni's skill set right there. That that is his forefront stuff. When you look when you look at at uh, his his average depth of targets uh, when, when he calls plays, eighty one percent are around the line of scrimmage or at the ten yard line, and then there's a huge gap. In, in percentage wise, for the te- the ten to twenty yards, and then twenty yards downfield, it's, it's another it's another jump thirty plus uh, percent of stuff like that. So the Eagles are are bringing in a pro pro style pro. I don't I don't know how to compare it, but an NFL quality like Oklahoma offense, if that makes sense.
3: Yeah, I mean it clicks to me. But the other thing is like you get those people on Twitter who down hurts and just want to go at him but all you gotta do is bring up the question okay what do you think of rager is he a type of receiver one that you'd want your team to depend on most of the time those same people are going to say no heck no like they've already called him a bus that you're done with him. and so then the question goes back okay well who did he actually have to work with you had dallas goddard and then miles sanders are you going to tell me the team's not going to load up center in the field and say okay best of luck And he still find ways to succeed. I mean, with several plays, we see him extend outside the pocket, get the downfield throw going, keep the offense moving. I mean, again, the dude is a QB1 moving forward with this team built around him. Now, I know I'm not quite as high on him. I think he's going to be a lower-end QB1 because I don't think his defense is going to – I don't think his defense and offense are going to be well enough to push him up into that upper echelon tier of, like, top six quarterbacks. But, I mean, he could easily finish anywhere from 8 to 12.
1: So here's my thing with that is that in three and a half games, he finishes is the QB four, right? Mm-hmm. And that was with minimal weapons, right? So if they add one, two, maybe three guys, you, you would assume his, that that's his floor. If he does QB four work with almost nothing, and then we're going to go out, and we're going to get you the sixth overall pick, you know, skill position, and maybe something in the second, maybe a free agent or something like that, you would assume that his floor is QB four.
0: Yeah, I think you you then kind of have to ask the question of playing a full season. You know, he's got a little, little bit more NFL tape on him and just the grind of a, a longer season. I mean, that's a pretty small sample size, and I don't entirely disagree. Just kind of playing dev, devil's advocate there. Uh, you know, I think that kind of becomes the question.
2: So I want to hop in here. I've listened to everything that was just said. Um, very quiet. There's no way I'm going to be able to touch on everything Matt just said. That's not possible. Um, I and I agree with most of it. You know, like I think the reality is where we're at with Jalen Hurts is you see the Eagles right now cutting their dead weight. I mean, like they're cutting guys like Alshon Jeffrey and planning to move forward. You see them. You know, they're they're moving forward, not looking backwards. Um, I would be shocked if anything if they didn't trade back. I mean, they have so many holes. But, you know, if you want to draft offensive linemen at six, you can. You know they're getting calls because they believe at the quarterback. So typically if you have a position or a draft pick that high, you move back. Um, I really think, you know, Jalen Hurts will open up the offense. And I think Nick is not gonna be as dumb as Doug Peterson was with his personnel decisions and Miles Sanders will get the workhorse role he deserves. Um, he's a fantastic football player. Um, and I think this year is his year, and um obviously I'm gonna have a lot more to say about that later down the road, but um I think the reality is where we're at is 2021 is Jalen Hurts's audition. Um, if he comes out there and plays well and, you know, the, you know, shows, Hey, okay, I'm a franchise quarterback. I, everything you saw last year was real and let's continue. Let's build, let's go. But if he comes out there this year and hypothetically, they go three and 13 and he completes 52% of his throws and doesn't get any better. They're going to move on. I mean, that's the reality, but I don't think anybody here expects that. You know, I was looking while Matt was talking um, I did a quick, little quick research. If you take out the Washington game where he completed 35% of his throws to um, the left dumpster and the right yardstick, um, he his completion percentage jumped up to 57%, which is right where Carson Wentz was. That's not great at all. I mean, it's really not, but you guys talked about it quite a bit with Jalen Rager and the weapons around him. I still think Jalen Rager is a good football player. Um, he's not an alpha. I mean, if you drafted him and blindly followed the analytics and expected him to be some alpha superstar. I'm sorry, that's not going to happen, but he will be a good football player. He'll be a good fantasy asset. Um, You know, Dallas Goddard, I think is one of the best possession tight ends in the league. So, I mean, like there's a lot of promise and, you know, Miles Sanders is, you know, you put him in and go. Um, So I expect, you know, there to be that jump. I, you know, mass telling like, Oh, I think his floor is QB four. I think that, is a little spicy. I mean, like to tell me a guy's oh, floor it's, is. It's spicy. <laughs> but to tell me like a guy's floor is a top five QB, that's like, let's, like, I'm not trying to be rude, but like, let's be real here. Like, I, you know, I think he can be a QB one. Um, I think his range is anywhere from between, like, literally, like when we're talking about Jalen Hurts, I could see him finishing next year anywhere as the QB one to playing so bad that they bench him and whoever it is that is the back of quarterback. And they go on. I don't expect that, but that's his range. Like, if we're being real here, I would expect personally him to be somewhere between a low end QB1, high end QB2, um, and see how that goes. Um, but I would
1: agree with that. He's, I have him in the 9 to 12 range.
2: See, and that's you know, what I'm saying is, you know, like, and, and what we saw was just the beginning. So if we're projecting and looking forward, and I always say, like, project forward you have to assume he's going to get better as placer and understand the offense and the work in the RPOs. So I think the reality is, you know, like I said earlier, the 2021 audition and let's see how he goes. Um, if you believe in Jalen hurts like Matt does, and most of us do, then you know, you're going to buy him, but I would not pay like a first plus a piece right now because like that's the, it's the value versus the cost. And I always talk about that, but, He's somebody that if you're drafting right now and if you're listening to the noise on fantasy Twitter, his ADP is going to be a ch- championship winner. I mean, and that's where we are right now. I mean, it, I don't know what his ADP is, but if I had to guess, I'd probably say the fifth, sixth round. And to get a quarterback with that much upside, that late in drafts, that's a league winner. The last time I looked at the ABDP,
1: it was at the 3-4 turn, three twelve-four 4 one
3: Yeah, I think okay. I saw Destination of talking about on their podcast i think his adp was around qb 13
0: so I'm, i'm glad that you brought that up sam because i think that's the question then because we all understand you know what he what he could be we also understand that you know possibly getting benched or the eagles moving on is in his range of outcomes so what i guess where are you willing to take him amongst you know the quarterbacks in a in a startup
2: well, see, I guess it depends because like my draft strategy is probably different than most, but that's why like I have so much success is I hit the running backs early. Um, I just take the best player available, which is typically a running back. And then third and fourth rounds. you know, I'm looking at maybe tight tied in a Darren Waller or George Kittle or someone still sitting there. Um, I've always been a QB in the fifth, sixth round, you know, like you'll get guys like Kirk cousins and, their car and those kind of guys like not sexy oh, oh they're trash oh really i'll take their 4200 yards and 27 touchdowns
3: to win a championship
2: of it while i have you know
3: loaded lamar jackson two years ago qb i think like 16 i took him in round seven winner see and that's
2: exactly it. like that's where we are with hertz is that potential so for me it's the value and i guess what my team looks like i imagine you know if i'm sitting at round three my team would hypothetically look like you know Dalvin and Miles Sanders, and then you know hopefully like Darren Waller. So then I can sit there and take you know Jalen Hurts is potentially my QB one, and you know then Ryan Tannehill in the sixth, and call it good. So, I I'm I'm glad
0: you said that because I'm I'm in a in a startup right now, Matt and I actually with some fantasy scouts, and I it's a two quarterback league, and I sort of punted on quarterback until the fifth round and still got Aaron Rodgers, but you know, Hertz is not going to be a late league winner in this league when you're with Matt, where he goes and gets him in the second round. So, but I think your point is, is very valid. So um, do we have any last final words before we move on to the, the other Eagles quarterback?
1: Yeah. One, one quick last thing, the, for the, for the people who are hating on him for the fumbles, Mm -hmm. it's out of context. I understand he fumbled six times, but he only lost two. Um, one of the fumbles was against the Dallas game where he was clearly down. So I'm throwing that one out the window. Uh, another fumble that's on the stat sheet was in Arizona where it got knocked out of his hands and then he ran, picked it up and then threw it 20, 25 yards downfield, which is just a phenomenal play that counts as a fumble, but it's technically not a fumble. And then there was two more times where as he was running out of bounds, the ball was knocked out, uh, um, from some guy behind him and it knocked it out of bounds. Those are all, all, all counted as fumbles. When in reality, they weren't. So he's not he's not careless to the ball. It's not like he's running around with the ball out, you know, outstretched away from his body. He, he is careful with it. It's just bad calls and just a couple unfortunate uh, situations that went against him in
3: the stat sheet, not in the film. He's also a rookie. You can get better at that.
0: Yeah, I think that's a that's a good point. I'm not worried about his fumbles in the slightest, but I suppose some people are. So thank you for addressing that. Um, Let's go ahead and move on to the, the other Philadelphia quarterback, former Philadelphia quarterback, Carson Wentz, now a member of the Colts. Uh, He reunites with Frank Reich there and Indy. So a lot of people had him pegged going there to the coach who got the most out of him in his time in Philly. So uh, I want to just talk about Wentz and kind of his fit. I mean, we know he excelled with Reich before. Can they do it again? What do you What do you think, Sam? What do you think this offense looks like, and what do you have at Wentz' outlook being?
2: So this was the topic I was more excited to talk about um, because everybody has their opinions of Carson Wentz. Um, Carson Wentz is broken. I mean, like you, you cannot like. Log in or look me in the face and say he's not. I mean, he is. But the thing about him is he has all the talent in the world. I mean, he's got the big arm, the big body. He could run. Um, I think he might be a little bit mentally soft. I think we saw that last year. But that's my my biggest question is I think his play dropped off because of his mental attitude and where he was. And with the draft pick of Jalen Hurts, he tried to play it off, but I think it bothered him. I mean, like I and the reason I say this immediately after the draft pick. Like within like minutes after they drafted Jalen Hurts, he was on Twitter like, all right, let's get to work. But like typically, if you're that welcoming immediately, that's a red flag. Like, okay, mm, I think he's bothering. This is bothering him. Um, I believe in the talent of Carson Wentz, but more importantly, I believe in the coach. Um, that the coach, it matters more than the talent here. I believe you could put Blake Bortles in Indianapolis and have some success. Um, you know, Carson Wentz is like I said, has all the talent in the world and he, it, despite everything completed 57% of his passes just under 2,600 yards and had 16 touchdowns, five inter, or 15 interceptions. Um, not great. Those are pretty bad numbers. Um, but if we're going to be fair and talk about Jalen Hurts and the situation, how it was bad for him, we have to be fair and talk about how the situation was bad for Carson Lynch because he was saying he was throwing into the same garbage. He really was. Um, and since his 2017 magical season he did uh, decline over the years Um, but he was still serviceable last year I think last year off the top of my head he had a three to one touchdown interception ratio he took him to the playoffs it wasn't pretty um, but he drug him there then typical Carson Wentz style he gets injured you know within the first 20 seconds of the game and never completes a pass or something but Um, I think you have to be blind to see that he's not one of the better talents in the league. um, And that if anybody can fix him, it's coach Reich. Like I've been, I spent a big chunk of time like last Wednesday or Thursday after we released the podcast, arguing about Derek Carr and Carson Wentz to one of my best friends. And um, I believe right now, like if the Colts would have traded for Derek Carr, the Colts would be better than they are right now. Carson Wentz. Um, but I also believe that the potential of you fix Carson Wentz is much higher than Derek Carr. Um, and you have to look at what they paid, too. I mean, they paid what is it, a second and potentially a third rounder or something like that. So if he works out, if he works out, the Colts absolutely fleeced the Eagles. I mean, this would be one of those trades where if the Colts win a Super Bowl with Carson Wentz, pff, can you imagine that the, Car- the Philadelphia Eagles gave up Carson Wentz for a pocket change of pennies. I mean, that's really what it is. And if he doesn't work out, and this is why I love the Colts for this move, is if he does not work out, they did not pay a lot where they feel obligated to keep him. They can cut bait. He's a rental. At the price they paid a third and a second, I think, that is nothing for a potential franchise quarterback. You'll see guys in the upcoming draft trade up For more to take a shot on a rookie than a guy you you've seen in the NFL be a potential MVP so I expect them to get him a few weapons this offseason I don't expect from what I've heard inside the room um T.Y. Hilton to be back unless it's for a dirt cheap deal um so take that for what it's worth um you can't only have Michael Pittman and that's it I mean I think he's a good player but um I expect them to get him a a wide receiver or two, maybe a tight end or maybe a Zach Ertz to come along with him. But I love the move for the Colts. I think the upside is worth it. I think – and this is what I think is the best part, and it's what I talk about all the time. It's the perception and the value versus the cost. What the Colts paid versus the upside they might potentially have in him is just an absolute grand slam, which is why I love the move. Um, You know, I think he has a talent to get fixed. I don't know about his mental space. Um, that's the hardest part to evaluate. But I trust Coach Reich and that offense and that system and that building to fix him enough where I have no concerns. And if he does get fixed, I mean, let's be real here. If he does get fixed and, you know, all the kinks and everything and he goes to Indianapolis and balls out. He's a high-end QB1. I mean, he has the potential to be a top-five QB for fantasy. And it would be really ironic if next year we're sitting here and Jalen Hurts finishes, like, the QB5 and Carson Wentz finishes the QB6. Like, I just think that would be a match made in heaven because you could sit there and talk about, okay, well, was it the player or was it the system or was it both?
3: Oh, man. Well, I don't know if we're going to see Wentz finish quite at QB6 next year, but I do think success and getting him back up to a high QB2 level type fantasy performance is definitely something that we could see. Now I'm not quite out on the Paris Campbell train yet. I think he still can be a viable underneath route runner. So you combine him with Pittman and I'm really hoping the team will kind of build to an extent off the play action type setup that we've seen the Titans do in the past with Derrick Henry of course JT being a completely different type of running back but still depend on JT to set the game get behind that great offensive line keep it going strong and then just let Wentz build off that be able to set up the play action sit back in the pocket hit those guys of course we're really hoping that we'll see a great tight end maybe like a Hunter Henry or a Johnny Smith someone of that caliber go there and sign up because that would just take his game up another level because we know he loves to target that middle of the field, which is why, honestly, if you can get Paris Campbell right now, dirt cheap, I'm willing to stash him on the bench and see what happens because I think he can be a viable flex, especially if we see the old Wentz, hopefully that 2017 form almost 4,000 yards or I think slightly over 4,000 yards. Anything like that, I'm taking definitely at the cost that he is right now.
1: Yeah, so I think the biggest interest, the the most interesting thing that, that stood out to me was, was the return that they got for him. And then after the trade was announced that it was also stated that no other teams made an official offer just a bunch of inquiries. And I found that really interesting because that's the league as a whole doesn't believe that he's fixable. They, they told us that based on what the Colts were able to get for him. So he got a 21 third. They give a 21 third and then a 22 second. That if Wentz plays 75% of the snaps or more, that second becomes a first. So Which he at, will. M- at most, assuming he stays healthy, at most uh, the Colts gave up a 1 3. And we, we were talking here last week how Derek Carr is worth a 1 alone like maybe even a little bit more. So the league values Derek Carr more than they value Carson Wentz, just based on, on what was being discussed and what actually happened. So that was the biggest thing. And then, you know, Eagles fans like to hold on to 2017 for Carson Wentz. That's realistically, it's, it was a phenomenal year. He was probably on his way to an MVP, other than that, he really hasn't been super special. He's, he's definitely been good, but nothing special like he was that year. Um, but what was it about that Eagles team that made him so successful? The Eagles invested all of their money in the offensive line and the defensive line. They were elite on the line on both sides of the ball. So now we fast forward to Indianapolis, and what is it about Indianapolis that's elite? Their offensive line and their defensive line again. It's the same setup for Carson Wentz to be successful right now today february 23rd he is broken but that doesn't mean he stays broken he could be fixed and if it's anywhere it's going to be in indianapolis and if it's not in indianapolis that's a wrap on his career
0: yeah i i am glad andrew that you uh got the paris campbell train going again because he's he's a guy that people are forgetting about and I'm a, I'm a big fan of his i i have been and The injuries are obviously concerned, but I think he could thrive with Wentz. I think him and Wentz
2: together is super interesting. Go ahead, Sam. I'm just gonna say, I think, I think, you know, like with Campbell, I mean, I think he's a good player, but I think at some point you have to begin to draw questions of whether or not you think a guy's ever going to make a difference on your team. I mean, he's played what, like four games in two years? Um, they invested a lot in him. Um, I think he'll, I mean, he'll be there next year, but for like what's his role it'll probably be a low volume speedster like a deshaun jackson where you roll out there pretty guy catch his one
0: yeah i guess like i often cling to to reich's original comments about him saying that he's more than just a speed uh gadget you know big play guy that he's they believe he could be like a number one and of course that was a few years ago before the injuries but um i think the point is getting him i don't know what his adp is off the top of my head but just the fact that he's so cheap right now like i mean this is a guy that was had so much hype all over him uh you know last off season and 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 really even as a rookie so i think he's super interesting but uh well
2: his upside versus cost right now is out of the world you could probably get him for a fourth and he if he hits he's worth so much more than that but exactly I guess right now it depends if you have the bench spot. I mean, really, like that's where you're at is like, do you have a place where you can just put him there and just leave him alone and pray to God he doesn't like tweak an ankle going to get pizza or something. Um, But his upside versus his cost is just out of this world. So that's you know that's something I talk about all the time is if you can go trade, you know, your your fourth round pick or your 22 fourth for Paris Campbell, you're gonna you should go do that right now. Like pause this, go do it, and come right back. Right. I, I mean, so often we get asked about,
0: you know, trades and cost and who would, you know, are you, do you like this guy? And so much of it just comes down to the cost. Right. And so if you can get a guy cheap enough, like he's a great flyer to take. So are you, Sam, let me just bounce this back to you. Are you, do you think Michael Pittman is capable of being a solid WR1 for this team or are they going to have to get a, get a better target there to, to be Wentz's number one.
2: No, I think he has the potential. Um, and I think you saw flashes of it, but I think they go get a, another one. Um, if TUI Y doesn't come back because I think they're ready to win. Um, and I don't know. And this isn't me taking a shot at Michael Pittman. I don't know how high of a ceiling your offense can have. If right now going into year two, he's your guy. Um, I think he's capable of it, but I guess, you know, it, 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 there's other factors. And so that's a loaded gun question, but I think he does, but I don't think he's the guy. I think they go get somebody or I think they bring someone in or something because he's a good player and he can definitely reach that ceiling. But if you can put like a Juju Smith Schuster on the opposite side of him and say, Hey, Paris, you draw the defense deep, we'll eat underneath. I think you do that, but I think it depends on who's available and what they're willing to pay because the Colts are pretty stingy too. Yeah, I, I,
0: I tend to agree. I think they would benefit greatly from somebody like a Juju or, or, you know, uh, would, Andrew. Would, you Fuller some- would be fun. Will Fuller would be fun. Will, of, Fuller Will Fuller would, be, would be a lot of fun. Oh, that would be really nice. But are you going to rely on Will Fuller and Paris Campbell as two of your top three wide receivers? those guys spend more time on the in the locker room than they do on the field? Well, it
2: depends. Can Will Fuller keep juicing and then not get caught? That's, uh, that's another question. <laughs> it's a serious question because yeah. he was a top five wide receiver until he got caught juicing. Um, I mean, of course, it's too good to be true, right? But, I mean, he's he's an absolute star when he's on the field. But that's you know, like a, when he's I, on the field.
1: I could see them going and getting Deshaun Jackson on a one-year vet deal.
2: But what's the difference between him and Paris Campbell right now? Paris Campbell's the better player right now if he's healthy. Because we saw Paris Campbell for like – it was like 30 seconds this year. It really felt like it. The talent and the explosion was there. You're not going to go you get a 33 year old Deshaun Jackson who right.
1: I, I I don't you know, disagree with you. Down
2: and his ankle.
1: Paris Campbell's the better player today, but you know if you know they get hurt the same, you know you don't play one and play the other. And as soon as he gets hurt, you got the next guy to roll in. Because I think that was a big part of their offense that they lost this year. After Campbell got hurt, was a lot of that underneath stuff, and then a lot of the speeds to stretch the field. Like Ty just doesn't. He's not that quick anymore. Or,
2: yeah, I'll if you. Bring in.
3: Oh, okay. I'll wait. I was saying, I'll go. I, I've got to say this one because, like, you've <laughs> hit, the the, you hit the nail on the head, dude. You talked about how this team wants to go out and win. We saw it. They traded a pick last year for a defensive lineman from the 49ers. Now they're getting wins. I mean, we got to look at the obvious factor. What about the Lions? We hear they're wanting to use a franchise tag on Galladay, they don't want to get a 22 Ooh. third out of them trade him that 21 second, you get the star receiver, pair him up with Pittman. Campbell was a field stretcher, worked the crossing routes for Dwayne Haskin. And like he excelled at it. His yards after catch would open up gigantic opportunities for that offense. If you've got those three receivers to rely on, and then you can still go get a fourth round, fifth round receiver in this draft as that extra depth over rolling the dice on maybe Deshaun Jackson, because we all of us I know have several late round receivers that we're hoping get some draft capital with these solid teams.
2: Could you imagine though, like Carson Wentz, uh, a fixed Carson Wentz handing the ball off to Jonathan Taylor, throwing it to Paris Campbell, Kenny Galladay, and Michael Pittman? Like that's somebody's mutt team. Like that is somebody out there playing Madden. Like, <laughs> oh, okay. I'm going to just go trade everybody. Like that. Like, But if they could get him for a second round pick, like you take, I mean, like Kenny Galladay is worth the first one. Kenny Galladay is better than. I would say today better than every wide receiver in the class. Um, is his ceiling higher than that in two years? Will he be better? Probably not, but they want to win. So like if you can fix Carson Wentz and have him just throw deep balls to Kenny Galladay and say, you go big guy, go get it. And you know, you got Michael Pittman working, you know, the possession wide receiver. And then you've got, you know, a, a healthy Campbell for what it's worth running the underneath and stretching the field. I mean, like that is, that's a heck of an offense, but, You know, like, would you rather have Kenny Galladay? Okay, rank these three wide wide receivers who could potentially be available in Indianapolis. Juju, Galladay, A-Rob. I think it's kind of obvious, but I, I, like, for the offense, like, like, who who would you want to, to be there of those three in that order?
3: Robinson, Galladay, Juju. Yeah, I think I'm with you. (laughs)
1: <laughs> I, I think i would say galladay robinson juju Interesting. Um, only, it, because, it because only because is because your body Rob, yeah that robinson's mannerisms are very similar to, to michael pittman i think kenny galladay is a little bit more physical at the point of attack he's uh he's bigger physically bigger than alan robinson i just feel like if alan robinson is you know a, a much better version of michael pittman and i don't know if you want two of the same kind of guys but yeah, I, I
2: heard. I think. I, I think mean, Evan Abil- Robinson is not a bad option. And to say, no, I don't think so either. I mean, who are like who is like the
3: tier two of free agents this class? I looked that up real quick. Uh, Curtis Samuel, uh, Samuel, Will Fuller, those kind of guys would be tier two. Uh, you might as well just draft
2: <laughs> at that point.
1: Technically Godwin, but they're they're probably gonna tag him. Yeah, and he's also a one.
2: tier one guy. Mm-hmm. Yeah.
1: Uh, you got Marvin Jones is out there. Corey Davis, uh, John Ross would be fun. I know you know he's not a one, but uh, Chris Connolly is is very athletic. Uh, I know he's old. Chris he's a
2: very good football player. Yeah, he, he's a he, very. Good He'd
1: be he'd be an option. Nelson Aguilar's out there. Uh, let's see here. Antonio
2: Brown is out
0: there. No,
1: he's, he's not. staying
2: on Tampa. Yeah, he's not going anywhere. <laughs> and uh, like if too bad this is like 2015.
1: Tim, Tim Patrick's out there. Um, that's. About, I don't think there's
2: a guy you've listed that, that I would say. Oh, let's just go to the second round instead.
1: Yeah, that that's about it as far as the second slash third tier guys. Um. I mean, Cordell Patterson, I don't know if they have an interest in Embershaw Perryman, Sammy Watkins, but apparently they want him to stay.
2: I don't know. What does Sammy Watkins have on the Chiefs? Like, what kind of dirt does he have on them? Like, I want to know. He's been know. in
1: the league forever. Like, forever.
2: 2014 isn't that long. Like, but it he seems like he's been in the league. league forever.
1: He's He was like a fresh 20, like 19 turn 20, like draft day
2: basically. That's the thing, but it just, like, what does he have on the Chiefs that they're like, okay, no, 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 you can't go anywhere. Like, seriously, like, is it like he's going to go tell your secrets or something? I mean, just let him walk and draft, like, Rashad Bateman in the, the late first and call it good. Like, that would be disgusting.
1: He was probably one of the best wide receivers that never panned out.
2: He well he did for a little bit but then like injuries caught up to him and like
1: I well I when I was working on the NFL database the other day they never used him properly in Buffalo.
2: Well, never. see, and when he I people forget and I forget this too, but, like he was a, he was a Ram for one year, yeah which is crazy because, like, I'll never forget, like, how stupid he looked with the 12 and the dreads. And it's like, that's Sammy Watkins in the Rams uniform. Like, Oh, I remember
1: when that trade happened. I mean, geez, people were paying, like, 102s, 103s, like, straight up. Like, it was like – I don't remember that. I wasn't – He was so expensive right after that happened.
2: I remember right after, like, the 2019 season started and, like, weeks one and two, he was like – 50 points a game like do you guys remember that in the kansas city and people were paying like left i mean like oh my goodness like that is a time like and i'll never forget i was listening to fantasy footballers and i I don't remember who it was i think maybe it was jason he's like i don't know what to do do you just pray to god it's real and then like the rest of the season scores like five points oh
3: yeah (laughs) i I sold i sold he had 50 points on my bench week one what did you immediately said oh what did you get for him like
2: I want to know if somebody got, like, two first-rounders and those first-rounders turned into, like, you know, A.J. Brown and, like, Jonathan Taylor or something like that. Like, Could you imagine? Like, because there was at one point in time, like, six, seven months ago, a guy reached out to me and told me, like, in 2017, he sold Todd Gurley for three firsts and a second or something like that. And those picks ended up being, like, Jonathan Taylor, A.J. Brown, Miles Sanders, and someone else. Like, I can't remember, but I remember he told me that. And I I didn't believe him. He had sent me screenshots. So, oh I was like, heck,
3: wow. Yeah. I think I got an early second, which, I mean, that early second, I, I can't even remember if I ended up trading it away or if I ended up getting a decent piece with it. But, I mean, heck, it's better than what he is now. Is he uh, cooler than Jonas Gray? Like, he's like the biggest one-game wonder.
2: <laughs> or Matt Asiata, remember him?
1: Three t- he, only, he only plays when he scores three touchdowns. Gerard.
2: Yeah, uh, Toby Gerhart. I uh,
0: I'm actually with you, Matt. I I would like Kenny Galladay on that team. Um, I mean, his last healthy season, the guy put up over 1,200 yards and 11 touchdowns. People forget just how good that dude is. And it should be noted that the Colts have quite a lot of cap space, so they're gonna have uh, they're gonna have some options. All right, let's go ahead and transition though. I want to talk about tight ends. Um, if you haven't checked out my latest article on Fantasy Scouts, uh, I did some reviews on tight ends and, and talked about some buys this year. But mainly, guys, I, want, I think our top threes all have the same three names in them, just a little bit of a different order. I kind of want to review those a little bit and also get your guys' perspective on maybe some guys that have the potential to ascend kind of into that top tier this year. Um, I had a really hard time with my number one overall tight end I ended up going with Kittle but I thought long and hard about putting Waller at one overall I have him at two but I know Sam that you have Waller as your number one dynasty tight end do you want to tell
2: us why uh yeah babe if you could follow me on Twitter you can go look it's a ff ball all day it's my pin thread um I just go through everything. I break down the player, the situation, and things to come. And if it, to, to me, the fact – I'm still stuck on – and this, this is just like one of those like mind-blowing stats. He has played tight end for 32 games ever and has like 200 receptions, 2,300 yards, and like double-digit touchdowns. Like to me, that is like – that hurts my brain because that is insane. Um, he's only 27. He's the best athlete of the three um, – you know, George Kittle's the yak master, but he's never sniffed the receptions or yard or the touchdowns that Waller has. Kittle's only ever had five touchdowns in his best season, which seems almost insultingly low. Um, Travis Kelce, you ride that until the you know the bus wheels fall off because he's 31 and he's still getting better. Um, but you would think at some point that cliff is coming, but you don't project it. Um, he's 31, going on 32. He looks like he's 27. Um, so for the next six seven years I guess would you rather have like for me it's really really close but I would prefer Waller uh, mainly because I've done a lot of the extra research it's up there um, but I I would much rather spend the next 30 seconds or so talking about two young tight ends I think you're going to take the next step um, the first one's Noah Fant I think that's low-hanging fruit but it, it's true. I mean, he put up 62 receptions, almost 700 yards, and three touchdowns. Um, he didn't have Drew Locke for part of the season, and he didn't have a quarterback at one point this season, literally. I think everybody remembers that. i will go down to NFL history. Um, I would argue, even on top of Cortland Sutton being healthy, you Noah know, Fant's the best player on that offense. Um, so give me a year three tight end, um, a Noah Fant with maybe Drew Locke all year or if They draft somebody. Um, I just think his the sky is. I mean, like, I really think he could take that next step because he was let's 20 some receptions and 200 yards away from being in that conversation. I mean, that's or 400 yards from being in that conversation. Like, that's how close he was, you know. And he didn't have he missed some games, he didn't have Drew Lock and um the practice quarterback, Mackenzie Milton. So I think he's right there. I think everybody sees that. I think everybody was like, oh, Hawkinson or Fant. And well, if you want to chase, chase the athletic upside and look at the two, two of the three top tight ends are more like Noah Fant. And I just I just want to jump in because I specifically
0: wrote about Fant and Hawkinson. And I'm I'm a Broncos fan, so I want Fant to ascend to this top tier, but I mean, with Cortland Sutton coming back, Jerry Judy's usage ramping up, the the weapons that they have on that offense, and, you know, Albert O, they're going to run a little more two tight end sets. But when you look at TJ Hawkinson, I think next year if we sit here and we add one name into this top tier, I think the most likely name is TJ Hawkinson. We talked about Galladay being a free agent, Marvin Jones, Danny Amendola, the guy already had 101 targets last year, and now, um, you know, all of those guys potentially departing. That that's going to leave. They're vacating 216 targets if those guy leave. Those guys leave, and I know that they lost Stafford, and they're bringing in Goff. But Goff targeted his tight ends 126 times last year, so I think Hawkinson is going to be the go-to guy in this offense. He finishes tight end five in PPR, and nobody's wow. really talking about him like he's like he's anything special but I think he has a really good chance to
2: eclipse that target total by a decent bit next year I disagree on the target total um and that's really because like Kenny Galladay's free agent yeah Kenny Galladay didn't play last year like but they're still vacating I mean there's I do I try I tried the vacated argument a few years ago and looked into it. it I'm not going down the vacated target I understand
0: argue. that they're going to bring but in other. They're
2: going to bring somebody in, you know, right? Kenny if he comes back, you know, he there goes those magical tar- targets that talk- Hawkinson had. But I'm not trying to like say, oh, I don't think he can. I, I think he can. Um, but I think he had the perfect storm last year with you know everybody being hurt, and then it was really just him, and then like Marvin Jones and uh, the, the number eighty-seven, the Cephas Quintus Cephas. Quintus I think it Cephas. Is. Um, because Galladay was hurt all season. Marvin Jones missed some time. So uh, T.J. Hawkinson stayed healthy, which is great. I think he's a, I think he's a fantastic player, and I think he can come up to that conversation. And to your point um, with Judy getting more work and sort Sutton coming back, I think, you know, you have a point, but I think the, the Broncos' offense gets better because they their offense was last year's putrid. I mean, it was horrible. Um, you you, know, you had Joe Flacco starting a bunch of games. You had uh, Mackenzie Milton playing backyard football. Um, so if they take a jump to just a normal offense, they can, you know, if you have no offense sitting at 70 receptions for 900 yards and seven touchdowns next year, that's right outside that conversation. Um, and I think that depends on what they do at quarterback. Um, and I think with Hawkinson, you know, he's more of your possession guy. Um, there's nothing wrong with that. And like, look at Travis Kelsey, um, I guess for me it'll be interesting to see who they bring in, and more importantly, what the Lions' offense is going to look like. Because I know tight end coaches pretty well; I, sp- I got to spend a lot of time with tight end coaches and fullback coaches, and they like to run the football. Like they want to establish the run, drop back, and you know throw it. Um, so I, I want to see like who they bring in and what that offense looks like. And same thing with Noah Fant, but that's why I'm betting on just the athleticism of Fant and what I saw this year with. Zero QB play almost. Um, But then I also want to transition to my next guy. Like, I know everybody else has got something to say, but I want to talk about Irv Smith. I really got to talk about Irv Smith. Um, You cannot watch the Vikings offense and be like, wow, that kid is special. Um, I really think Kyle Rudolph is a potential cut candidate this year um, for – a multitude of reasons he was discussed as a potential trade option in the offseason, um, and right before the trade deadline he's 32 years old or something like that and, I mean Noah Fant is going into his third year um, posted 30 receptions for 365 yards and five touchdowns and he's a wide receiver but he plays tight end um, and I think he could be somebody that takes that next step and if 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 kyle rudolph is gone or if irv smith just becomes the starting tight end you could have somebody that okay this kid's really good let's give him the ball more let's let's work the offense around him a little bit more like justin jefferson's a superstar he's drawing double coverage you know adam thielen is slowing down a little bit let's take this uber athletic tight end we drafted in the second round and use him so i think those two guys are two players that i really think have the potential to take that next step um irv smith has probably got a little bit more work to get there um not from a player's perspective, but just an offensive scheme perspective. I mean, cause you know, they're going to run the ball through Dalvin and um, the tight ends are a focal point. They catch a lot of touchdowns, but I think those two guys are two players that in a year from now could be like, Oh, okay. Like, would you rather have, you know, I mean, Kelsey, your fan. Like, I think that's a potential conversation. I think you will probably still take Kelsey, but I think the ceiling's there for those two guys, especially in 2021.
3: I mean, I think you hit the nail on the head on that one. Uh, About to say, fantastic option. But I know a big concern I did a couple, I guess, year and a half ago when I was looking at tight ends. The big thing I'm always worried about is they need to have a top two target share on their offense. With Fant, I'm really worried that we're going to see Sutton and Judy just knock him out, and you're going to be very, very reliant on hoping he gets a lot of touchdowns to offset that.
1: let Let me counter that one. So last year, there was a very good report that came out of Broncos camp that I, I think Sam doubled down on that at some point uh, in our Patreon. I, this Sutton coming back with, with Judy taking another step of stuff like that doesn't bother me at all. The offense runs through Fant. Fant is the first read. He's the first guy in the pass game option. Sutton is two. Tim Patrick was three. Judy was four. Uh, and then a mix of running backs and, and Hamler. Now, uh, Patrick is gone, so it'll probably be Fant, Sutton, uh, judy hamler uh as as your your top four guys um but absolutely i'm not worried at all about uh that target share that that offense i i still believe will run through noah Fant as the first pass option
2: i
0: yeah, think there's actually a good chance they they try to bring tim patrick back that's the word that i've gotten but
2: I mean, it's not a bad thing. I think Tim Patrick is a good football player, but he's not going to continue to play over Jerry Judy as he grows. And I mean, KJ Hamler, you wasted that second round pick. Like, like I remember wasting a lot of time last year arguing people about KJ Hamler versus Chase Claypool because of the stupid breakout age. But, you know, like Tim Patrick, he's a good player. And I think, you know, Tim Patrick is another example of somebody who, was successful due to the people in front of him going down. I mean, like Cortland Sutton, I would argue, could have been a top 10 wide receiver last year. And you saw it through Tim Patrick. Like Tim Patrick was playing Cortland Sutton's role, and he was a viable option. And I don't think anybody in their right mind would argue that Tim Patrick is a better football player than Cortland Sutton. So he comes back. You know, Maybe they work him in because of the knee injury. He's hundred um, percent Because – I don't know if he'll be back by week one because that knee injury was pretty gruesome, but I think they'll work him back in. And maybe that's why they bring back, bring back Tim Patrick, but I don't think they're bringing back Tim Patrick to have him be part of like a focal point.
0: No, I, I agree with that. And I think that's a good point. I just, my point is more like you said, and I know this was just kind of random math, but you mentioned Fant getting like 70 receptions and 900 yards next year, but he had 62 receptions last year and only six, 673 yards so 10.9 yards per reception i mean hawkinson the the possession tight end over here had 10.8 so and that's on 101 targets so i think you know i i think fan is the more athletic player like i i get that you're betting on the athleticism i just think hawkinson is in such a good spot to to ascend next year
3: yeah and i mean that's kind of where i'm at too like I said, like nothing against fan. I do believe that lock is probably going to look to the middle of the field, his safety blanket first with his tight end. But I do think that the receivers are going to get what they earn. And we know sudden is a beast in the red zone. We've seen him depend on him before. So you got to take that touchdown upside as a risk. We know Hawkinson right now, it looks like he might be the best red zone weapon that the lions have. So I know it's going to be close. I know those two are probably going to both finish in the top six, seven guys, barring an injury anyway. But I would bet on um, Hawkinson a little bit more. I mean, a couple of other I... names you want to watch is um, so... you've got Henry and you've got Johnny Smith. Like I said earlier, if one of those land in Indianapolis, their value is going to skyrocket.
2: Hunter Henry would be disgusting. That would be a lot of fun. Um, but I, I... – I, I want to circle back real quick with what you just talked about with, you know, Hawkinson and what he did and um, fancy yard reception. I think fancy yards perception were a little low. And I think it's because they couldn't open the up the offense because drew lock was always getting hit that, you know, their alpha wide receiver was gone. And, um, you know, and then and I do think a big part of that really, like that one game where they'd had zero offense, like really does hurt. Um, but last year, um, and it's it's almost a tale of the exact two opposites between those two, Hawkinson and Fant. Fant last year had, you know, Judy, and then Sutton was gone. Tim Patrick was eating. And I don't know how much, like, I obviously Sutton will get a work up from the offense, but or like more volume um, and higher target share. But I'm not worried because what he did was with, joe flacco mackenzie milton drew lock in like 13 games like can someone double check real quick how many games noah fant played last year um and he he played 15 games okay so he missed one game and i do know he left a game he did leave a
0: game early and he played banged up a lot i i will mention that as well
2: but my guess my point is like he so let's say all pre- if he would have played sixteen, he was on pace for like sixty seven, seven hundred ten, and let's say three touchdowns. Keep it easy because I don't want to round up and do the math. Um, that's with no quarterback. Really, Mackenzie Milton. You know, I just want
0: you football. to put some respect on his name. It's Kendall, Kendall Hinton. Kendall. Oh, not Mackenzie.
2: Just some, yeah, just put Sorry, some respect he's a on. Go. I mean, like, know, I'll okay. give him credit. I'll give him credit. Was, okay. <laughs> Mackenzie Milton, I believe, is the. Uh, the State UCF quarterback, quarterback. So
1: he plays in he Florida State now.
2: Uh does he? Okay, uh, but and then I want to go to TJ Hawkinson where he had Matt Stafford all year or most of the year. I don't think Matt Stafford may have missed some time with the, the injury, but he had Matt Stafford most of the year and nobody else was there. Like he got all the work in the much better quarterback play because nobody else was there. So I think it was a tale of two storms where they were almost even and they had almost pure opposite situations. So and it's fun because we're sitting here arguing about, you know, year three superstar potential tight ends. And it's been a long time since we've had that. Like I like both guys. And I guess really for me, you know, depends on where I'm drafting and who I have before them because I don't like to say, Oh, I'm comfortable with them being my tight end one because I'm not, but if they break out and become an absolute superstar, then yeah. I mean, like you're content with that. So I think with those two guys, like, it was a tale of two opposite situations. And then, um, like with Andrew had just mentioned, um, Hunter Henry in Indianapolis, for example, like that would be a lot of fun. Like that would be a lot of fun. Because you saw what he did for Philip Rivers and Justin Herbert all those years. You know, the big question is, do they bring him back or does he really just walk? So let me ask you this. Rank these three next year. Noah Fant with a healthy QB all year. I don't know how you feel about Drew Locke. Um, TJ Hawkinson with Kenny Galladay back and Jared Goff. Or Hunter Henry in Indianapolis with Carson Wentz and crew. Like, rank those three guys. Fant,
1: Henry, Hawkinson.
0: I would go Hawkinson, Henry, fan three the only the only my concern with hunter henry i mean you, we're t- we talked about injury durability yeah, yeah. but when so, he is
1: healthy in the back sure. scheme with carson wentz who loves the middle of the field and tight ends i mean whoever that colt's tied in is i think that could be a, a sneaky buy as soon as they announce for sure i don't, I don't think I don't think Trey Burton's coming back. I believe he's a free agent. I like Jack
2: Doyle's Mo- a free agent.
1: I like Mo Alley-Cox, the athlete. I'm not entirely sure he's a reliable tight end one. Definitely the depth guy that they, they used. Uh, they shockingly played all three of them, like just like in this weird rotation all year long. It was There was no consistent one. I got lucky a couple weeks playing Burton, but there was absolutely no consistency to it whatsoever. So if they bring in a stud like Henry or one of these other free agent guys or trade for somebody or even Ertz. What about John
2: Smith to Seattle?
1: John New Smith to Seattle further solidifies Rashad Penny's, the RB one case. He's a fantastic blocking tight end. He's a freak athlete. Uh, you know, w- he can get out, uh, out flat, uh, run those quick science. They even gave him the ball, handed off the ball in the backfield. I don't know if they're going to get that creative with him, but, but they signed – or not signed, they hired that – oh, I forget his name – the run game coordinator from uh, the Rams. So the Seahawks offense is, is about to look a lot like the Rams run game with two tight end sets, um, you know, eight different plays out of one formation kind of thing. So Johnnie Smith paired with Will Disley, and then you got Colby Parkinson to run down the middle of the field at six seven, sprints like a receiver. That's some
2: serious offensive firepower. Right okay. uh, actually, hold on, hold, on, hold, on, hold on. Okay. The three previous guys we were just talking about or will add Kyle Pitts to Cincinnati. Oh, man. Are we I, – I, I love Kyle Pitts. <laughs> Pitt. Yeah, but that's my thing is like arguably the best tight end prospect with – You know the the last year's number one QB, who you could be a possession like. He's such a wild card. He could be a possession tight end. He could be a wide receiver. He could. I mean, he could do everything. Like so, those four guys. Where are you putting Kyle Pitts in Cincinnati? Because that's a very real possibility.
3: Is this just twenty twenty one?
2: Yes, just for twenty one. Because I think moving forward, long term, I think Kyle Pitts would take over.
1: So that's it's really it's really tough. For me, it's between Pitts and Fant, and then you have – I think they're almost equal value because, one, is Burrow going to start week one? Because if he doesn't, that's, that's going to hurt. That's going to hurt Pitts' value as far as end of season points go. Um, and if Burrow does start week one, you know you got Pitts, Higgins, and Boyd, and then over in Denver you got Fant, Judy, and Sutton. So I, there's you know two really good receivers on both teams and a very, very elite athlete and tied in in the middle of the field so they're kind of similar situations and then you know if Burrow is ready week one um, I think I'd have to lean Pits just because you know right now I think Burrow's a little bit better than Drew Locke but maybe at the end of the season you see Fant I, I just I, I don't know I, I think they're really really close.
0: I just want to bring up one more name that I'm surprised we haven't heard mentioned and that is Cole commit. He, yeah. he was like a slow Cole starter, but man, down the stretch, he, he started seeing a lot more down the last, uh, let's see. I have the numbers here in my story that I just wrote. So down the stretch commits saw 34 targets for the final six games, good for 5.7 per game. Graham saw just 2.8 during that time. So through those last, uh, six games commit, put up 165 yards and a touchdown. He was really starting to roll towards the end of the season. And again, we talked about Allen Robinson, a free agent. I think Komet could roll in that offense, depending, you know, the quarterback situation is a huge question mark, but I think he's
2: going to could potentially be a target monster there. So so the way I project, like when I look at an offense, like I, I used to do the opposite of this, but now I do it like, Oh, Allen Robinson's leaving. Okay, and you know they're going to bring somebody in. So I'm not going to pretend like that argument exists. Um, I did talk about Cole Kamen a few months ago or a few weeks ago on Twitter. I really love him. I mean, I've watched every game he played at Notre Dame too. I mean, kind of biased in that state. Um, he's he's the best all-around tight end prospect you could ask for. Um, maybe freer move this year and maybe two years from now, Micah Mayer. Um, but they're going to use him to block too. So I guess the question is how much do they use him moving forward as a receiver compared to a blocker? Because he can do everything. Like He is a true like Gronk-like tight end, but not as dynamic athletically. So when you're talking fantasy ceilings, I think he may be a guy who's a better football player and helps the team more than a reliable fantasy option.
0: I don't disagree, but I think the fact that he – will be on the field a lot because he's blocking oh, yeah. it gives him more of an opportunity and i i understand your point about you know the vacated targets and i'm not i'm not saying that you know all of those targets are just gone and they're not bringing anybody in but alan robinson saw over 150 targets last year like
2: i'm just not sure they're gonna bring in a guy that's <sighs> taking that many but no but they'll probably bring in a few guys like yeah that's why people are out there oh go buy darnell mooney he's a good player, but he's going to be a low volume speedster. That's what he is. He's a good footballer. He's, he's, he's Henry Ruggs, but good. Um, so <laughs> I love that. <laughs> Andrew's face was like, Oh man, he was trying to hold it in. Ooh, that, <laughs> oh, that was a good one. <laughs> like, but that's the thing. It's like, okay, if they don't bring somebody in, you know, like, so, so let's say for the all extensive purposes, Alan Robinson's gone. Um, they can't, they, they couldn't, you know, they couldn't franchise tag him and trade him. So they got nothing. So he's just gone. They're going to draft a quarterback. Um, so this, I don't know where they pick, but let's lock in like Zach Wilson or Trey Lance or someone else like that. Like let's, let's, let's lock them in. So round two, they bring in Amonra St. Brown and then round four, they bring in like Amari Rogers, like my guy, Amari, like who I love. So if we're looking at an offense similar to that, where it's like a bunch of young guys and then a second year tied in, I don't think that offense is going to be very good at all. Like I have major concerns about Nagy as a coach in general. Um, I don't think he's a very good head coach. I think he's a better coordinator, Um, but his offense is kind of hard to watch. And I don't think Trubisky was all the problem. So are you betting on – not only, you know, they bring in somebody else, but if you're relying on him to be a reliable option, a much better quarterback and everything else to fall in place, because then at that point you're betting on a lot.
0: Yeah, no, I don't, I don't disagree. And I don't have him like near the top tier. I'm just, I'm surprised that his name didn't come up as like a, a breakout guy being that, I mean, I love herb Smith. We've talked about him. I've written about him, but I, I was just surprised that Cole Komet's name didn't get mentioned. I mean, <sighs> I'm not looking for him to be my tight end one in a, right. you know, two tight end league. But I think like as a second tight end, like he's a guy that could just see a lot of targets, especially with a young quarterback, a security blanket, a lot of young guys coming in. You don't know how the targets are going to get distributed. I just think he, he, again, it goes back to the value thing. Right.
2: So, so is there a tight end out there that we could talk about who is on a team who has the draft capital, not named Cali Waring that could break out? I see – it's not I'm trying to ruin Matt's parade on Warring. It just – I don't know. I just – there's something about watching him play. He just looks like a a baby deer running and kind of like lost. And, you know, so – but is there – seriously, though, is there another young tight end that could – like out of the – like next year's Robert Tunyon come out of nowhere who's on the team who is like, wow, why – how did we
3: not see that coming? Okay, Andrew? um we may have already forgotten him but Chris Herndon is that your guess? nah nah, no 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 that's that was my guess
2: okay anyways
3: Uh, that's actually a good I love that I love that the Gase I like him too real Adam Gase is gone so we never know what's going to happen there so I mean that's a real effect out there we've realized that uh what about Blake Jarwin Coming back, I you know, was gonna
2: ask about the Dallas, Cow- like, but I was the reason I didn't ask about the the, Cow- the Cowboys tight ends was because I thought someone was gonna bring up the oh, they have too many miles to feed. You saw what happened last year, their defense is gonna
3: get better. Argument like, like, give me the high score tr- offense, give me the high score are, offense all day. Are you
2: trusting him to be healthy? Plus, you saw enough from Dalton Schultz that maybe it's just not a one guy tight end anymore.
1: I think that's the biggest thing. I don't think that is true. you can't put Dalton Schultz back in the bottle. He showed he's a really good pass-catching tight end.
3: But he's just yeah. – he didn't seem as athletic as Darwin with the ball in his hand. He's not,
2: but he's, 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 not, he's not as good. But I mean, he's still a pretty good tight end. Um, like, can we talk about Chris Herndon for a second? So, about let's say Howard come back to her. Uh, no, no, that ship's sailed. I mean, like, and it's not because I don't think he's a good player, but like, they have three wide receivers that it's hard to trust on a weekly basis. So you're going to trust a tight end too, and then, well, I mean, technically you're trusting because you could, um, you could imagine Gronk is back, so like you're playing Russian roulette out there. Um, but like Chris Herndon. So let's say Sam darnold is gone, or, um, and he gets traded, and then it's Justin Fields. You know, you got Justin Fields, Denzel Mims, Chris Herndon, and they're going to draft somebody. So where are you with that breakout? Because you've seen the flashes. You've seen the ability. Like, are you in a year from now? Are we having this conversation like, oh, yeah, Chris Herndon, like, let's take him the third round. Well, I, uh, for one. Is that in the realm of possibilities?
0: I think it it is. He was my, he was my buy last off season and admittedly i was way off but the i think the process was right with this guy and i he's my he's shaping up to be the drug that i just can't quit like i own him everywhere (laughs) i just i like i i i had somebody telling me that he was a dead body and just to let him go towards the end of last year but i can't like he's gonna sit on my roster if i have the space and so if we are talking about that next year i will be a great uh beneficiary of that i think it is i mean why not? Like, like, tell me why not? I saw Andrew shaking his head. I, I don't, I don't see why
3: not. I mean, you've got to trust that offense in that conference. You're playing the Dolphins, the Patriots, and the Bills, who all have three solid, three solid defense right there. Six games out of the year, they're going to shut down the best weapon. Which even if it is Herndon, they're going to try and shut him down. So we could be talking about him next year, maybe as a back end tight end one. I would say tight end eight at premium because you still, you've got Goddard, you've got Fant, you've got Hawkinson, you've got, oh gosh, who am I forgetting? Bro, we didn't even talk about Dallas Which I'm surprised on.
2: (laughs) Is that, is it because it was just low-hanging fruit? I mean, like, seriously, like.
0: I almost mentioned him a minute ago, but when you asked the question about, uh, uh, you know, a guy that is on the team that drafted him that has draft capital, Goddard and Irv Smith are the ones that come to mind, but they're, you know, that they're not Robert Tunyon coming out of nowhere. It's, it is low hanging fruit, but I don't think, I don't think Chris Herndon is going to be the Jets number one weapon, right? Like if you're talking about shutting down their number one weapon, like exactly. So I I just think in terms, again, it goes back to cost and what I like to do with tight ends, you know, if your roster is big enough, I love to grab, a guy that I think is a safe play and then just stock up on guys like Chris Herndon and Irv Smith and, and guys that I think have the potential to absolutely blow up. So I don't think it's likely, but I think those names, you know, they're all in the mix to be, to kind of skyrocket in value next year. One
1: I other think- name to keep Ooh. an eye on Patriots tight end Dalton Keene. Or
2: Devin Asiasi, one of those two guys. Like one of those two guys, Andrew you're shaking his head, but one of those two guys will break out and become yep. a very good – I mean, like, it's one of those two. They spent high draft capital. It's, it's a 50-50 a shot. Like,
1: both in the same draft. They took both of them in the So third you got like, really to guess. I'm willing to bet guess. on Keane. He's much, much more athletic than Asiasi.
2: He's got a cool mustache, but, I mean, other than that. He's great
1: flow, too. That's why he's right in one.
2: It's the hair flow. I can't
0: wait to take him later in our startup draft just before you're ready to, Matt. Thanks for that. Thanks. For I just, that I just took
1: Fant, so I'm good. <laughs> <laughs> I
0: and to I trade, took Waller. I had, to tra- I had to trade up. To Sam's point earlier, I took Waller. Kittle went in the second round. 2-9, I took Waller at
2: 4-8. I love that value. <laughs> that was a so great value pick.
0: Two rounds. Ah, back.
2: Wow, you you got 100 receptions, 1,200 yards, and seven touchdowns for free. I think I own Waller
0: in 80% of my dynasty leagues now. But yeah, you guys don't a... care about my leagues. You care about your leagues. So go out and get yourself some Darren Waller. And All right, friend. guys, that's going to do it for us. Uh, I want to thank you for being here with us on episode number three. Again, if you're not a member of the Patreon, please visit patreon.com backslash We bring you the inside info you won't get anywhere else.